1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Steve Jones will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Matt Catrillo here with you in the producer chair. As normal, a loaded show today, but it surrounds the tough news that we got last night from Journey Brown, and of course head coach James Franklin announced it during his uh, press conference last night. And Jody, Journey Brown done for his entire football career, diagnosed with a heart condition that is not going to be able to let him play football for the rest of his career, so it's it's such a shame for, for a guy who really was starting to make known for himself, especially with the, with the game he had in the Cotton Bowl and the expectations for him coming into this year and you can tell Penn State's obviously missed him but you gotta really feel for the kid you think you're finally on your way you've waited your turn you think you might have a chance even for an NFL career looking at even beyond Penn State and all of a sudden you have this happen on top of everything else that's been going on in our world right now and it's just devastating news for for him and obviously for, for Penn State that broke Oh, We're around just, six o'clock last night, Steve. Just a really, really tough day for Penn State, and what's been a tough start to the year.
0: Yeah, but it's uh, it's, it's it's a tough day for Journey Brown. Uh, yes, it is very difficult. The emotion of it, you know, people are close to each other. Um, I mean, just think of the people that you you either are friends that you work around, you work with along the way, and then put it into the context of being 18 to 22 years of age. And in the context of being uh, 18 to 22 years of age, and they love this guy. I can tell you, they love it. If you're around Journey Brown, and I've been fortunate enough to be around Journey Brown, Many times. You uh always has that smile on his face, always outgoing. Oh, you know, can't wait to see you, happy to see you. You know, the long list of what a guy like that is like. As a running back, let's get to the running back part of it. Well, let me start with let me start with the positive. Here's the positive out of it. Uh they caught it that's the positive positive. Uh, and thank goodness they caught it because now by catching it it gives Journey Brown an even better chance of having a long happy fruitful life I think that's that's really important and should not be left out of it uh, I know we're going to have Frank Bodani on the uh, show tomorrow Frank and I were both at the Palestra in 1990 when we found out that Hank Gathers had collapsed. And of course, Hank Gathers was from Philadelphia. He and Bo Kimball both—they were from Philadelphia. So I'm in the middle of doing the game, and I think the game was—I um, think the game is with Duquesne. I think I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this... Instead of being courtside like I've been with uh, both Iowa and Michigan State the last two times I've been in there, we were up in the box area or the press area doing the game. So I'm up in the rafter area, which at the Plestra is still a fabulous seat. But that's where I am. These are things that you remember. And they tell him like, what? And I was doing the game alone was not working with anybody that night because it was a snowstorm I was like what happened to Hank out' what collapsed well then we get to the post game we find out he not collapsed; he passed away well because of the advances in testing they are able uh, to get results like this where it can make a difference in the quality of life for an individual. And Journey Brown's quality of life has a better chance of happening because this has been caught in advance. That's big. Now let's get obviously to the tough part. Let's talk about about Journey Brown, the person And, you know, his teammates love him. I can tell you that I'm around him. So I know that they think the world of him. And that's what makes it tough. And not only that, everybody was expecting him to have a huge year. Journey Brown came into Penn State. And as I've said many times... I don't look at highlight tapes and so forth. The reason being is that I want to see them in a practice against comparable talent. How do they fare? So I try to keep my preconceived expectations down and... Really try to let it play out in front of me. Now it's hard to do when, for example, somebody of the hype of Micah Parsons comes in. You are watching to see if he ends up being that kind of player. So I mean, let, you know, let's be fair. That happens sometimes, but the vast majority of guys that come in, I they start with me usually at, with a blank canvas. Well, yeah, you've heard about them but you know, it's it's not of the hype of a Micah Parsons. How about that? So you do look at that with maybe a different eye. So he's in there, and I had heard, yeah, you know, of course I'd heard the story about the the seven hundred and sixty-two yard, ten touchdown performance that he had in a game. He sit back, going, that's pretty eye popping, you know. And I knew he was the sprint champion uh, in the state, so I knew he came in with speed. I mean, you know when the PIAA. Sprint Championship, and unless in in this state, unless you're pretty darn fast, so I knew about that. But after that, I had some people say that a lot of people in quote that really follow recruiting, and I I don't. I know we have Ryan Snyder on, we have Greg Pickle on, um, and others. You know that follow recruiting very, Sean Fitz, that follow recruiting closely, you know, Mark Brennan, I let them do that. I'll ask questions, but they know about it. I don't. And there are a lot of people, and I'm not talking about those guys. Okay? I'm talking about there are people who are in the fan base that follow recruiting really, really close. That were negative about Journey Brown being uh, coming to Penn State. You know, I think his other offers were not major programs. So, I Amy, mean, I knew about that. Well, as you know, on uh, Sunday nights they do the scrimmages for the non-travel players. You know, walk-ons, freshmen. Guys further down the depth chart, they scrimmage on Sunday night. They get some work in. Gives the coaches a real chance to evaluate where they're going and something that's legit hitting. Okay? So the first time he's out there, breaks off a couple long runs, including a long touchdown run. I'm like, Well, pretty good. So they come back the next Sunday, and I'm watching the, the walkthrough that they're doing, the corrections period. And then, of course, now they get to the scrimmage and I'm watching the scrimmage and out on the defensive practice fields where they did it and he does it again right out of the gate, long touchdown run then another long run, holy mackerel now it gets to the point of the third one all of us started referring to it as well, as soon as practice is over we'll get to watch the Journey Brown show that's what we referred to it as when he was a freshman the Journey Brown show because he put on a show every Sunday night. And I'll tell you, you know who loved the Journey Brown show more than anybody else? I mean, like, really got into it was Saquon Barkley. Saquon really got into what Journey was doing out there. Loved it. It's like his biggest fan. What I saw in Journey Brown develop, though, was this. If you're going to play in this game as a running back, Speed is really important, but at some point you need to do some stuff between the tackles. Not every play is going to be a sprint play to the outside. And you're going to have to do something between the tackles. He developed his upper body and running style where the more I watched him, the more I watched him get inside, bang people, and gain yards with some power runs between the tackles. He also had the ability to get between the tackles and boom and then burst one. He could do that. He became a better pass receiver. I mean, to me, me, he became a reliable pass receiver. And the final part, and let's go back to physicality again, he became much better as a blocker and in picking up the blitz. He was working himself into becoming a really, really well-rounded running back. And when I talk about the power and the speed, let's go back to his initial touchdown in the Cotton Bowl. Speed, boom, there's that burst that Journey Brown could bring. But then what made it such a signature run for him? He overpowered guys. Broke tackles, overpowered, lowered his shoulder, got a guy out of the way, and then scored a touchdown. That was the combination of everything I just talked about. That's why you felt when the Cotton Bowl was over with, you were so excited for Journey Brown because you felt that the best was yet to come. He was over 100 yards rushing in five of his last six games. And he's the only Penn State running back to ever have more than 200 in a bowl game when he rushed for 202 last December in Arlington against Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. So that's what makes this tough. That's what makes this tough. We're going to talk to Mark Wagonrich about this in the next half hour. We have the king today. Jerry Dulac today, but Tiger's been doing pretty well. Last I saw Tiger was at 400 par. DeShambeau finished at 2 under. Tiger of course gets the break of being able to play in the morning which lapses into the early afternoon, but play the late round tomorrow. And he, his back can use that kind of break. We'll talk to Jerry about that and about the Steelers. Steelers are practicing as if Ben's going to play. Uh, I think they're assuming because the player that Ben was in contact, Ben does not have COVID. He's been testing negative. It was Vance McDonald. Okay. But I was talking about you, you teammates, you can get to be tight with them and so forth. Uh, along the way, and you can feel about that in the places you work. Matt and I are very tight. You know, I get pictures all the time—a little Luke, you know—and that big, big smile he has when mom's holding him, and <laughs> like that, that, then, then kind of pouty when dad's holding him. I mean, I know the kid's looks. You know, I, mean, I know them all. You know, and you know, and Mark. You know, you get loyalty with people. You know, and look for everybody out there, just you know. Okay? Quote the suit. Okay? I am very loyal to Kevin. And vice versa. Right? That's the reality of it. Now, on the air, do I kid and have some fun? And it's almost like a cartoon character in some ways. Yeah. Because that's just part of the show. Although some of it's true. (laughs) In fact, fact, there's several segments of it that are very true. (laughs) Which makes it funny. But it doesn't mean I I don't think the world of them. But that's, you know. You know how I am with Jack Ham, and vice versa. You know how I am with Dick Girardi, and vice versa. You know? You know Joe Putnam in baseball, it's, it's, it's the way it is. I mean, I'm a very loyal, loyal person. Very loyal. Uh, and some would say loyal to a fault, which is fine. That doesn't bother me, though, because that's the way I was brought up. In fact, my brother's on it in, um, what, 406 today? Go ahead, Matt. Ask him about how how often the word loyalty was brought up in our family growing up. I will. It was something. It was something that was instilled in us growing up. Uh, some fans may may think I'm too loyal. I mean, obviously, Don sent his email today and feels I'm too loyal. I mean, essentially, that's what he was saying. No, that's that's essentially what he's saying. All right? Even though um, I told him I'd ask James about the fourth down thing about instilling confidence in this team, and I did. I asked him Wednesday about it. And I was only guessing when I said that because I was trying to give an example. Okay, you're trying to instill confidence. I was talking about how offense hasn't been helping out defense and defense hasn't been helping out offense. That's the premise I, I, I started the show with on Monday. And I used it as an example without asking James whether it was true or not. I think Don took that the wrong way. That, he said, maybe the coach is out there saying, hey, look, I'm confident you can get it, but and they don't get it. But the payoff is, I'm confident in my defense you can stop them, and neither one happened for him Because that's the pattern that's been happening. One hasn't been helping the other. So I asked James about it, and he said, yeah, that was what he was trying to do. And remember, Penn State's 1-4 of in field goals right now, too, which is like, you're not sitting there at the moment saying, hey, we're going to get three out of this. There's a lot of elements that go into decisions, and sometimes one that you don't think of is part of the reason. But that's a different time. But yeah, loyal, we were brought up to be loyal in our house. Blind, you're not loyal to bad people, you're loyal to good people. And it's a two way street. Mark Wogenrich is coming up next. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mark Walker SI.com, coming up in the next half hour. Jerry Dulac, Post Gazette Steelers Network, also at 435 today. And The King. Great to have you with us brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. calls at 800-795-9565 this is the steve jones show on news radio 1070 wkok now from the sunbury motor studio here's steve jones
1: And back here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve Jones is there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Mark Wogelrich, SI.com, is going to join us in a couple minutes here as we continue to talk Journey Brown and the tough news that we got yesterday with the fact that he will be ending his career getting that heart condition that has now ended his career, cannot play football anymore. He announced that last night on his Instagram. And, of course, James Franklin announced that as well during his uh, press conference last night. So Mark's going to talk to us about that and the Nebraska game and a whole lot more. Then we got the King coming up at 4.06 with our early week edition of the pick segment.
0: Yeah, good to get that in there. Yeah, And
1: then Jerry Dulac. Uh,
0: pretty good, but we're going to start out big here with Mark Wogenrich, uh from SI.com. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Mark, welcome. It is always great to have you with us.
2: Thanks, Steve. Always great to be with you as well. Why am I watching the Masters in November, by the way? Make
0: that <laughs> I know. <laughs> watching the I mean, in one hand is great, but... <laughs> Yeah, I know, watching Bryson DeChambeau and watching Tiger, of course they're now done, but uh, sure, yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> really different. And no patrons. I mean, Different. Ah. So what was uh, – you know, Journey Brown's been out, and I don't think you know, many people held out hope that he was going to still be a part of the mix for this particular season. But what was it like hearing the news that – Wednesday night that this was it?
2: It was crushing. I mean, this is a as a player, I he surprised me last year. You know, you don't get a lot of those like pleasant surprises sometimes. The guys you expect to see play really well and others, they just, you know, come out. But he was really that guy to me last year. I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but he came from um, – I thought fairly, you know, it was a fairly big surprise that second half of the year with the way he just kind of transformed himself. I heard him use the term maturity a lot last year and then again this year, and it really um, it seemed to come to pass for him. So the fact that he can't play again, you know, as he was just coming into his own, I, um, that, I, that is just – that's the, the the biggest part that I, I guess crushes the spirit regarding regarding Journey Brown um, is he had a chance? He's had a couple of other players, and I don't want to like minimize anybody's reaction to this, but they, a couple of years ago there were a couple of freshmen who had this um, a, a heart condition diagnosed before they even played. So they're, yeah, I mean, a their I mean their career and or for... Yeah before it even they got real even got started here you had a career that was like kind of getting into its own and i you know on side of the running backs coach at Penn State pretty much said that he thought he was going to be one of the better backs in the nation this year and to lose that and then to lose a you know a football you know an NFL career that could have been you know quite lucrative for him you know it um for him to be positive uh i think it's going to go a long way um one of the things I, I go back and i had an interview with him over the spring before this even came out and his attitude always seemed to be uh, to me to be the most infectious part of his, a part of him um that he could be person that he could be so such a positive person in the wake of you know the personal things he had gone through prior to this um and, you know, James Franklin mentioned that. Uh, J. Juan Snyder mentioned that. And that's what strikes me is that I hope that that continues for him. I hope he can build upon that attitude and, um, you know, be successful in whatever he chooses to do.
0: And I think that for him, you felt after the Cotton Bowl, the best was yet to come. And that My was
2: goodness. part of this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the part that struck me because – so the guy watched him go from a sprinter in practice to becoming a far more complete running back that could run with power. I mean that first touchdown run against Memphis in the Cotton Bowl mm-hmm. was a combination of speed and that power all at once and that's why you looked at him and says he is really coming to his own.
2: Yeah, he was he was a running back in that game. And when I entered, when I talked to him in the spring, he referenced that, he referenced that as kind of a launch point for him that he wanted to learn Um, receiving, you know, he wanted to learn receiving and better um, lift pickups and pass blocking, that sort of thing. Not learn, but get better at those things. He was getting, he was getting bigger. Um, You know, he had gained, I I think it was like 10 to 15 pounds, but said he was still as fast as he had ever been. He, you know, I I think he was really pushing toward a huge breakthrough this year. Um, And it was funny, I saw him Saturday, I was watching the sideline last Saturday, him uh, against maryland and i saw this player kind of bouncing up and down the sideline and dancing and and he was wearing street clothes and i thought that looks like journey brown but i couldn't tell because he had the mask over his face and the gator and i saw okay he's hanging out with the running backs and i did ultimately recognize him i thought that's really good to see that that's really that he is you know at that moment his frame of mind and his his attitude seemed to be in a really good place not knowing that uh what he was, you know, fully what he was going through and what uh, he was about to learn.
0: Also, you and I know being around teams enough that the close ones, and this has always been a close team, there's a brotherhood. What do you think this has done psychologically? I mean, they've known I mean, the players know about this, I'm going to guess. This wasn't one, something that came out yesterday, I don't think. I think it's something that, that they've known for a couple days. I'm guessing. But what do you think it does psychologically for other players who are also 18 to 23 years of age uh-huh. that see this happen to somebody their age?
2: Yeah, it could go a couple of ways. I, I, I think when we got players um, after the, the, the first, before the first game, before the Indiana game, when uh, James Franklin and, um, and Penn State initially said that a uh, journey would potentially be out this season. Right. The players spoke about him. Two guys who really stuck out for me were Pat Fryermuth and George Stout. George Stout, of all people, as as the kicker, punter, and kicker, I don't know what kind of interaction he was going to have with Journey Brown unless he's like kicking off to him in practice, and they're going to be 60 yards apart. So mm-hmm. that's not, a, you know, that is not like a relationship I would think would flourish. And Jordan Stout called, you know, was really, uh, just really refined in the way he discussed it, and he called Journey Brown a role model for him, and he said, for me, you know, we're the same age, so that struck me as really something to take note of, so I think they'd probably been processing this for a while, and then you know, maybe yeah. the news hits them um, as, you know, specifically now as, as it's final. You know, maybe in some strange way, it, it turns out to be you know, and these kinds of things can be motivational rallying points too. It's odd that this news comes this week, and on Tuesday, the Big Ten Network aired the the one hour documentary about Adam Calferro. You know, twenty years ago, twenty one years ago, he was injured. Twenty years ago, um, he came back and ran through the tunnel, and and look what that did uh, to them. You know, the way that motivated them against Purdue. Maybe this journey brand news has that sort of. Um, impact on the team that, you know, let's go win one for Journey.
0: So now let, that brings us to the next step in this and that will be a trip to Lincoln to take on Nebraska Saturday. Uh, two teams that need a win. Nebraska's playing its home opener. What early signs will you look for, Mark, in this game on Saturday from the Penn State point of view?
2: The first thing I would, would not want to see is a Penn State defense giving up a big play. It's happened back-to-back games now, right away. You know, the first play of the Ohio State game, that first series against um, against Maryland. You want to see them get stops. You want to see them get off the field, um, not give up something big. You don't want to – I, I don't think – you, you want to see Penn State trailing or going down in, in kind of a – you know, in that fashion, the big play fashion. They've got to get that under control. That's been, a, I think, that's been a huge issue for them the last couple of weeks. I also want to see, um, I'd want to see Sean Clifford be a little more composed coming out of the gate. Maybe you know, kind of run a series of like he did against Indiana in the opener. Um, that was a that was still might have been one of their better series of the season. Came out of the gate right yeah. away, um, and mm-hmm. then just this like tumble of mistakes after happened after that. But I would, you know. Give, not giving up the big play, and then I don't think the offense necessarily has to get big plays right out of the way. I, you know, sustain a drive, move the ball, uh, get you know with Sean Clifford, get him some easier throws. You know, see him to make, you know, getting him just to, to make some easy throws, move those. You know, move the sticks, get some confidence, and and then not. Give up something big? I think I probably even lean more on the defense in that way. I think they, for their sake, they you know I don't think if I'm right, Nebraska doesn't have a passing touchdown yet this season, I and mean, their passing game no. has been just real wayward. So yeah. and that would be deflating if right away the first touchdown pass is you know off a first series, something like that. They don't think you want to give up anything like that. I think you want to go in there and have that head esteem with you know we've bottomed out. We can only go up, and then only to see something negative like that happen. To me, though, that's a real key. Yeah,
0: and I think at some, look, at some point in this game, and I think it's going to happen, it has to at least a couple times, Penn State hasn't had a takeaway in nine quarters. Mm-hmm take you know the psychology of a takeaway it it can set up a short field for the offense and make life easier It demoralizes the other team they haven't had that in nine quarters mark
2: yeah and the and, yeah the last one I, I remember the the big one that stands out to me was the lamont wade fumble recovery
0: yes at the end at of the first the half at the yep. end of the
2: first half against indiana that you know that was you know you don't get any points out of that but that still that was that, that changed. That, that was sudden change And you're right, they're not producing Sudden change at all And you know, that you, I think you turn around and see guys then Looking around, it almost seems like some of these guys Are waiting for somebody else to make a play Maybe on both sides of the ball And, and, and particularly on defense That's, uh, that's an issue
0: Yeah, it, it is And I think early on You need that When you look at Nebraska You talk about their passing game their two leading rushers are the two quarterbacks. This is a very much a quarterback-centric running game for uh-huh. them. We have no idea who's going to start. When you look at Nebraska, what do you see?
2: I kind of see a little bit like Penn State, where you're putting the ball in your quarterback hand, and you, there's times you just don't know what's going to happen with it. They just seem to be doing with two quarterbacks Instead of one, I think that uh, McCaffrey might be. i would read something about you know, Luke McCaffrey, the, the uh, redshirt freshman, that he's better, or at least he showed some signs of being better in their tempo offense, and maybe that could be something that Nebraska could right. use um, in a game like this. Uh, to me, it's just going to be those three quarterbacks. Um, who's you know who's better uh, in that game? I, I'm kind of sensing we're going to see both. Um, Maybe Penn State runs out a situational offense with Will Levis if it gets into a position um, to do so, uh, you know, like it tried against Ohio State. That situation, maybe they try a red zone, again, if they get there, or maybe they just try something as a change-up, not necessarily as um, pulling Sean Clifford if they're not in that situation. But maybe as a change of, you know, I'm not sure. But I, I just see the quarterbacks are going to win-lose this game, in my opinion.
0: Has it been hard for you? It's been hard for me. Yeah. I've been trying to find answers. And, I, <laughs> and I, I told the audience straight out on Monday, I said, I don't really know what I'm seeing here. I can't, I don't really have any answers. Maybe you do. <laughs>
2: I no, I can't imagine I'm going to have any answers for you or any players on that team or players or coaches on that team. I'm not one who necessarily sees signs of. it's Not for me, I just don't see it as well. The signs of of low energy or lifelessness or something like that or disinterest. I don't no, know that I noticed something like that. Right. Um, you know, I. You get out of position on certain plays. One one thing I do kind of see is you see, you I think you do see players looking, you know, getting up after a play and then looking around and saying, what happened? Where were you? Why were you there? Right. Um, who's going to make this play? I don't know that there's, I don't know how many guys on this team. I don't think that right now there's really anybody on the defense who is like that? You know, Jahan Dotson has been a real playmaker on offense. That so you can say, yeah, he's going to make a play. And you know, same with Pat. Pat Fryer, for the most part, you know, is going to be there. But they've used Jahan Dotson as they've turned Jahan Dotson into their touchdown guy, their touchdown playmaker this year. So you see him as like, okay, we can we can lean on him. He, we can trust him to make a play. And if you don't see that on defense, I got to believe that uh, you know. The coaches are probably asking the same questions. I remember after, you know, Saturday night after the game, Pat Farmer said, you know, Sean Clifford and Michael Mennon and I looked at each other and said, We don't know and that's gotta be such a helpless feeling for them yeah. to have you know, to have given so much to given up so, to have given up so much just to play this year and to be in the position where you say, We don't know.
0: Mark, it is always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate you and appreciate the time and insight.
2: You too. Thanks, Steve. Enjoy your trip out to Nebraska. Do it safely.
0: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Mark Wogenrich, SI.com. We'll come back with more in a moment. Update the Masters leaderboard for you and the King next half hour. Jerry Dulac, final half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. you with us. Paul Casey, the story at Augusta National, 7 under par 65 today. Two-shot lead over Webb Simpson and the fine young talent, Xander Schauffele, both at 5 under. Tiger is at 4 under par. Uh, Tiger did not finish the way he wanted to. He had a real opportunity on 8, which is a par 5. And he hit a great drive and then hit a horrendous second shot. Uh, And then, I'm sorry, he hit a great shot. Yeah, great drive, second shot. And he could only get 40 feet from the hole in three. And he had the two putt from there. And so one time he showed anger the entire day. Because he had a great great game plan. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Lee Westwood also at four under par. Three shots back. Patrick Reed is there as well. John Rahm's at three under. Tony Finau's Fien- three under. Right now, Justin Thomas, great start. He's at three under. Is he playing the front or the back? No, he's playing the front. He has birdied the first three holes. That's a good way to start. Now, Bryson DeChambeau was at two under. Had a weird round. Part 10, missed a five-foot part. Part 11, Par part uh, 12. Then he went to 13. Now, 13's a birdie hole. That's a birdie hole for him, okay? And who knows, a, Orlando, Florida, gone. You're out. Uh, and that's a birdie hole for him. He had seven. I don't know what he did because I wasn't watching him. Then he parred 14. Then he uh, 15's a birdie hole. He, he birdied that. Then 16, that's a nice pickup there, the par three birdied that. Then he part 17-18. Then 2 is a par 5. Did the expected. Birdied it. 7, though, which is a really tough par 4. He uh, bogeyed that. But then he birdied 8, which is expected. That's a par 5. That's why Tiger's 5 is so disappointing for him. But then he steals one. He birdied 9. Not easy. And I guess he drove it over the hill on 9. Like, are you kidding me? Nobody drives it over the hill on 9. He does Wow So That's where he is That's where he is So there's your Masters update which I never in my Career thought I would ever do in November But It's a different year It's a different year. Oh, well. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Cube routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Picks with the king next half hour.